Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. We have some weather in New York City that is pretty crazy lately. Uh, we went from 60 degrees on Thursday to a fairly warm weekend and then Sunday it snowed all day and we are probably I think 30 days until spring and uh, that's a really great piece of news right there that I like to add in because the East Coast gets hit with some really brutal weather, unpredictable. I noticed within the last couple of years, February is an unpredictable month of weather. We usually get a 60 degree day and then snow and it literally happened right around the same time as Super Bowl where I remember one year where the Super Bowl Sunday, it was like 70 degrees and the next day it snowed a foot of snow. So I'm just counting down the days till spring and I hope everyone else is anticipating the spring just like I am. In paranormal news, we have a flying car that can reach 63 miles per hour available for purchase for $92,000. As per IGN.com, Jetson aims to make the skies available for everyone with our safe personal electronic aerial vehicle. You can find out more via Business Insider Stories and you can find that link at IGN.com or IGN.com without the dot spelled out on Instagram. Their link will be in the bio and that's where I got that from. And um, some sad news in the world of movies and if you are a Ghostbuster fan, um, this one hits home almost as bad as the Harold Ramis news hit when I heard about the passing of Harold Ramis. On Monday morning, I awoke to the news that Ivan Reitman had passed away in his sleep. I don't know if he passed away on, I believe, Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday, or if it was Monday morning, but I woke up and when I get to work, I basically have a routine. Um, you know, I change into my uniform and just sit down for a while, and I opened up Instagram, and that was one of the first things that I saw, and it just kind of like, made me really depressed that we just, you know, we did see him in Ghostbusters Afterlife, but he was in the movie and he had a lot to do with that movie. He helped his son out with the movie and um, he helped Jason out. And um, Ivan Reitman did other iconic movies besides from Ghostbusters. Like recently, I, I found out that he had did Kindergarten Cop. Um, we were watching it the other day and I saw his name and I was like, wow, he, he did this? And he was a iconic movie director. He was the heart and soul of Ghostbusters. And he gave us paranormal fans one of the most iconic movies in the paranormal world, the Ghostbuster logo and, he, and a great Ghostbusters movie and franchise. And I found it ironic that, you know, he was in the movie and it was released this November, and just a few months later, he passed away. And um, I know Jason Reitman was grieving, um, but I wrote a comment. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see your father had one last opportunity to do a project with Ghostbusters, partake in it, help produce it, and you know, see it on the screen one last time. You know, something that he helped portray onto the movie screen and just created a fan base that's just phenomenal, the Ghostbuster fan base. Um, when Harold Ramis passed away, 
uh, I had wrote, I had Facebook at the time and I had wrote that, you know, this is sad and we're never going to see Ghostbusters 3 and um, this one hits home. And I had a friend and this particular friend is a little on the dark side, depending on his day. He says some comments that, you know, are a little, I guess, unacceptable, but we all have that one friend that says crazy back crap, crazy things. And he says, well, I'm, what did Ivan Reitman, I mean, I'm sorry, what did Harold Ramis do for you? And this was when Harold Ramis died. And um, I didn't take the time to actually answer that question at that time. But I will say this, when you grow up and you watch a cartoon or you watch a TV show and you watch a movie that you particularly like and you watch it over and over again, it impacts you in a way where you become... A fan and you love it and Ghostbusters is something that is up there on the top of the list of things that I am a fan in and finding out that Harold Ramis died and he portrayed Egon Spangler my favorite Ghostbuster it you know it just hits home it, you know that's someone that you watched and took a liking to and took a liking to what the movie was about and when you hear that actor passes away Especially at that time, because we all wanted a movie when he was alive, and then he passed away, and a lot of fans thought, no, this is it, you know, we're not going to get the movie. And, um, you know, it hits home, you know, so certain people, celebrities do impact people's lives, the, the average Joes. And Harold Ramis, from what I understand, was such a great person and actor, and when I found out that news, it hit home. And um, it was sad. And we saw them bring back the character in Ghostbusters Afterlife. And then sadly and almost ironically enough, Ivan Reitman passes away. And we all got to see him or feel his work in some sort back in November when Ghostbusters Afterlife passed away. So Ivan Reitman, rest in peace. You have done... A blessing to us fans by being part and bringing Ghostbusters to the movies and you will be deeply missed and condolences to the Reitman family. So that was the news and now into the episode of Skinwalker Ranch. So I started watching the Skinwalker Ranch show by accident when I came across it on Discovery Plus and I saw the name Skinwalker. So I'm thinking, you know, the cryptid that we talk about, the Navajo tale of this creature that is either... And this... I'm going to go back to an episode of that I did already in Season 1, Skinwalkers. Um, there apparently is a lot of stories on how one becomes a Skinwalker and how it's brought into the world. But what I had said on my episode is... That if one wanted to become a skinwalker, you make a almost devilish demonic deal and you eat the heart of the person you kill and then you will morph into this skinwalker and have the ability to morph between human and, um, you know, uh, this cryptid. And I saw Skinwalker Ranch and thought this was about the cryptid and turns out it's a little bit more than that. But I wanted to just backtrack to the Skinwalker episode that I did in season one, there is actually a lot more um, stories or different versions of Skinwalkers uh, 
that they are just a cryptid animal that comes about or what's one tribe that was against the other tribe. I believe the Navajo was the, the source of the actual story, but they had uh, issues with another tribe and the Skinwalker came about. So I was just backtracking because the actual Skinwalker cryptid does come up in season two of Skinwalker Ranch. Now backtrack, how I came about this episode, this uh, series, put on Discovery Plus, I'm a paranormal lover, go through the paranormal and ghost category on the Travel Channel or within the in, Inside the Discovery Plus app, came across Skinwalker Ranch and I was like, I know about Skinwalker Ranch because I kind of spoke about it. Little did I know that my information was not as accurate. Skinwalker Ranch is not just entirely about the cryptids. Um, and that was from the research that I did when I did that episode. So I was like, you know what? Let's watch it. So it happened to be me and my wife that we turned it on and turned on episode one and started watching it. And Skinwalker Ranch, to give you the full aspect of what it is. Now, from Wikipedia, Skinwalker Ranch is also known as Sherman Ranch, which is the Sherman family was one of the original owners of Skinwalker Ranch, and it's gone through a whole bunch of different owners. It is a property located on approximately 512 acres southeast of Bullard, Utah. And on the map, it's from the show, it's Northeast Utah. It is a reputed site of paranormal and UFO-related activities. Its name is taken from the skinwalker of the Navajo legend concerning vengeful shamans. Again, information that is different from what I told you in Season 1 on the Skinwalker episode. I'm not redacting it uh, or retracting it. I'm just saying that there are more theories and stories of how skinwalkers come about and what I gave you was based off something that I have read and watched on a show um, quite some time ago. Um, the Skinwalker Ranch, I'm going to give you some more information about it. UFO reports, this is from Wikipedia, in the Uintan Basin were publicized during the 1970s. Claims about the ranch first appeared in 1996 in Salt Lake City, Utah, Desert News, and later in alternative weekly Las Vegas Mercury as a series of articles by investigative journal George Knapp. These early stories detailed the claims of a family that allegedly experienced inexplicable and frightening events after they purchased and occupied the, pop the property. The ranch, located in Utah County, bordering the UT Indian Res Reservation, was popularly dubbed the UFO Ranch due to its unsustainable 50-year history of odd events, said to have taken place there. According to Keller and Knapp, they saw or investigated evidence of close to 100 incidents that include vanishing and mutilated cattle, sightings of identified flying objects or orbs, large animals with piercing red eyes, which is the cryptid skinwalker. They saw unscathed when they, these animals were unscathed when struck by bullets and invisible objects emitting destructive magnetic fields. Among those involved were retired U.S. Army Colonel John B. Alexandra, who categorized the NDISI, uh, SCI, which is NIDSI, 
effort as an attempt to get hard data using a standard scientific approach. Spoiler alert, John B. Alexander does make a brief appearance in Season 2 of Skinwalker Ranch and is the first of this particular research group, which was from one of the other owners, the second owner, um, Bigelow, Robert Bigelow, to make an attempt to contact the current owners, which is uh, earned by, I believe, owned by Brandon Fugel or Fugel. Um, there was the first time that one former owner and investigative group to- reached out to the now current investigative group, which I'll get into later. Um, however, the investigators admitted the difficulty of obtaining evidence consistent with science publication. Cattle mutilations have been part of the folklore surrounding areas for decades. When the founder of this research group and former owner Robert Bigelow purchased the ranch $200,000, it's reportedly the result of having been convinced by the stories of mutilations. He bought it basically because he wanted to see the study it, and this is why he bought the ranch. Um... The stories of mutilations that included tales of strange lights and unusual impressions made in grass and soil told by the family and former ranch owner, Terry Sherman. So basically, I'm going to stop reading Wikipedia right now. The ranch was owned by uh, Terry Sherman and I believe his wife. And they were so spooked by the unexplainable happenings on this ranch, ranging from orbs in the sky to UFOs to these creatures with red eyes um, quote-unquote skinwalkers and these electromagnetic fields and other just phenomenons they eventually left um, and I believe they left in 1996 um, and then Robert Bigelow overheard these stories and was the bought the ranch for what I read there $200,000 um, or something to that extent which at the time if it was ninety six, $200,000 is actually pretty cheap and he somehow, some way, got into a deal that the actual federal government funded and came on to Skinwalker Ranch to do an investigation to find out what exactly was going on. Now, Skinwalker Ranch is actually one of the most uh, researched uh, paranormal locations by federal government or the United States. And... Um, if they're investigating that, they know something is going on. Now you fast forward, and I believe in the 2000s, um, current owner Brandon Fogel purchased the Skinwalker Ranch. And um, actually, Brandon Fogel purchased the ranch in 2016. So in actual own, uh, in chain of ownership, it was Kenneth and Edith Myers first that owned the ranch from 1934 to 1994. Fortunately, I don't know what their reports are because Wikipedia actually doesn't have any reports. And on the show, it's not talked about much of Kenneth and Edith Myers. Um, Then Terry and Gwen Sherman, which I just said, uh, purchased the ranch from 94 to 96. Obviously didn't last long. They got spooked out. 96 to 2016, Robert Bigelow, which he was in in contact with the federal government, which then they did investigations and then whatever happened there, um, then tenured the ownership over to Brandon Fugel, Fugel, um, who is a some form of a billionaire with some kind of like real estate or atomatum holdings he has, something with maybe stock. Um, and uh, to backtrack to Robert Bigelow, when he purchased this ranch for research purposes, he 
purchased the the ranch and then went into a full-fledged lockdown of the property. I believe the Skinwalker Ranch didn't have fences and closures, enclosures. But when uh, Robert Bigelow bought the ranch off of the Sherman family, locked everything down, and then began investigating from 1996 to 2016. Now, the show Skinwalker Ranch is about Brandon Fogle, and he's the one who brings on a team to investigate what is going on on Skinwalker Ranch. Now, what you don't see on the show is the prior investigations of what goes on. Now, apparently, he actually, before this, went to a televised investigation. He had people working on the ranch to do investigations about what is going on. So when you actually watch the Skinwalker show, you will actually see, at some point, past information making its way onto the televised investigation. It starts basically with Travis S. Taylor. Travis S. Taylor is basically an aerospace engineer, optical scientist, and science fiction author. And for whatever reason, Brandon Fugel gets this guy, who I've actually seen on other paranormal shows, to come and lead an investigation into Skinwalker Ranch and find out what exactly is going on, as they were prior doing. And the other cast members are Eric Bard. Well, I'm not going to really call them cast. These are the people that are there. Eric Bard is one of the investigators that's doing all this stuff um, before Travis Taylor comes on board. Uh, we have Thomas Winterton, um, who's been affected by the ranch physically. Thomas Winterton had a some form of a, um, almost like a tumor, an abscess on his head from being on the ranch in certain areas and almost died because of this. And remember, Skinwalker Ranch has um, rumors of things happening that can affect you physically. And Thomas Winterton almost passed away because of this uh, abscess or deformity of his head and ultimately got better, but somehow, some way, got the courage to go back and work on the ranch. And we see uh, Jim Morse, who's actually the ranch director or, or oversees the activities on the ranch. And we have the security guys, uh, Brian Arnold, who is known as Dragon, you'll see if you watch the show, and Khalid Bench, who I believe is ex-military based on tattoos I've seen on his arm. Now I'm going to get into the show from what I've seen and basically what I gather from the show. Season 1 is very great. Um, they're doing a lot of these tests on the grounds of the ranch. And it, it's made very clear at the beginning of the show that digging is pretty much foreboding. Um, digging leads to activity arising. Now, I believe that because the in the paranormal world, if a house is haunted and you start doing things in the house like construction, or even if the house isn't known to be haunting, and then you do construction or reconstruction of a house, activities can arise. And it's the same concept for the Skinwalker Ranch. So in the beginning of Season 1, when Travis wants to start doing his... Um, you know, digging because he believes things are happening under the ground and there's things that could be hidden underground, um, things do in fact happen. And on the show, Travis is affected directly from the digging of the Skinwalker Ranch, um, actually a particular area of the ranch. I believe it was Homestead 2. So they have things labeled in the ranch and Homestead 2, I believe, is the area which has 
a lot of activity. And the oddity of Skinwalker Ranch is when they start digging, not only does things start happening, but there are sporadic radiation spots. So Travis Taylor ended up getting a form of radiation burn from being in the area. And they brought, they bring Geiger counters to these areas and detected the radiation because he started feeling sick around a certain area and had to go to the hospital because he was burned by this radiation. Fast forward, they go back to this particular spot and the radiation is gone. Now, if you know of Chernobyl, which is one of the most significant radiation or nuclear accidents ever, that area probably will be radiated until maybe the end of time. But you can't just go back to an area and it not be there. When radiation is uh, in high increments, is brought forth, it's going to be there for a while. Now, when these people went back to this particular location and went and brought their Geiger counters, which is a tool to um, measure radiation in an area, which off subject, I still have one, um, the radiation was gone. But this Travis Taylor was indeed infected by this particular area, which the day before had radiation. And it mysteriously vanished. Now, this is something that I believe. And he did have marks on his body, did get hospitalized, did show on the show that he had went to the hospital to get checked out. And um, this was, in fact, you know, a factual happening on the show. Um, when it comes to TV shows, this is a stray off topic, topic a little bit. I am a fan of paranormal, and I do realize that some of the stuff on shows can be actually happening or factual. However, when you are on a network and you want your TV show to last some things may be included. Um, I believe, and I'm not, this is not to be taken to, you know, the heart, or I'm, this is not confirmed, but shows like Ghost Adventures that have been on for over 30-something seasons with Zach Bagans and all the cast that he has, it started off, to me, as full-on true paranormal investigations but in the recent years of watching the show I raise an eyebrow to some of the things that happen I'm not saying that all evidence caught is actually tampered with or made up but when you're on a major network that people watch sometimes things have to be included to spike the raises of, of viewership and you know make it watchable that you keep coming back to watch now with that being said, Skinwalker Ranch is more of a research show where you see them conducting investigations. Now, the thing that intrigued me about this show, and it might not intrigue other people that just want things to happen, is there's a lot of scientific studies and things being done, um, you know, experiments. And if you have the patience to continue watching, you'll see that eventually things do get caught. Now, this radiation poisoning was one of them. Um, but to track to another episode during season one, there was an event that happened where cows got spooked and one of the cows ended up passing away. And right after the cow passed away, there was an object in the sky that was 100% not a helicopter, 100% not a drone, 100% not a plane. And when they went back to the video camera, they could see this object in the sky when the cow spazzed out and one particular cow that just died. 
on the show, they call a veterinarian in who analyzed the cow, and the cow died from uh, acute pneumonia, which happens in animals, I would assume larger mammals, when they are severely spooked about something. And when this cow passed away, and they re uh, replayed video that recorded the incident, there was something in the sky. So, I kind of believe that, that it's not put into the show for viewership purposes or ratings. Like, this actually happened. And for a cow to die on live TV after playing to fact that, you know, PETA people, or PETA themselves, don't want to see something like that. But being that this was recorded and they're showing evidence from a show and scientific research, this is in fact something that did happen. Um, they did the whole autopsy of the cow, and if you watch season two... The cow's body stayed aside for uh, a year, um, and they went back to it. And no scavenger animals went to this animal, this body, animals, this dead animal's body, and touched it at all. Now, in that area of Utah, there are coyote, there are reptiles, there's birds that are scavengers, like condors or other birds that will scavenge a body and the body was untouched it naturally deteriorated from being dead and in weather that is predominantly hot but does have winters and the body was completely untouched unscavenged so whatever happened to this animal happened in such a manner even with the you know it dying from pneumonia it happened that other animals didn't want to touch it and when they did research in season 2 there is no formulated evidence on why animals wouldn't want to touch it. They could not come up with. They ran blood work, um, came up with things of why animals wouldn't touch a body, um, high content in a certain type of something in the blood, and the evidence came up inconclusive. The, you know, the, the autopsy that was done a year later to this dead body, and the veterinarian couldn't find anything of why a scavenger wouldn't want to touch it, which that, in fact, is odd. Because if something dies in the desert, where all the desert animals, especially scavenger animals, it should have been ravaged, which they actually make clear on the show because on Skinwalker Ranch, there are two full-time, 24-7 people who live on the ranch to specifically look after the cattle that are there. Um, other things on the show that are very interesting is the fact that the ground is magnetized. You see that in Season 2. Um, and there are balls of light and prior stories from other people that were on the ranch at some point in time. And the electromagnetic field meter that is used in ghost hunting goes off quite frequently in one of the three predominantly active areas on the show. Now, what is going on there? There is actually, on Season 2, more talks of portals. And I have had quite a few episodes of Portal Talk. Actually, maybe a whole episode about um, parallel universes. And they believe that this area in Utah could be one big portal opening where things are coming in and out. Now, one ongoing theory with UFO UFOlogists and paranormal researchers is that UFOs may not be, in fact, something that comes from outer space, but interdimensional ships or beings that are coming in between wormholes or portals on Earth from different dimensions. Um, 
and that sounded far-fetched years ago, but now with more studies and, and more sightings in UFOs and not really finding anything in space, it's becoming something that can be more of a probability now that this interdimensional cross-rips or wormholes is something that's bringing forth um, extraterrestrials, or we call it that, but they can be just interdimensional beings, which was portrayed in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And people laughed at that in the movie, but come to 2022, and we're thinking that that's more logical explanation for UFO sightings. Um, and in season two, we actually hear for the first time, because I don't recall season one of Skinwalker Ranch talking about the actual Skinwalker, but we do hear a tale of a man that was on the ranch when he was a boy come in contact with a Skinwalker. Um, he portrayed it out to be a wolf-like fe- uh, being that was walking and it scared him. And if you do, in fact, watch the show, you'll hear this story. And it's the first mention that I recall of an actual Skinwalker slash cryptid, a.k.a. cryptid, on Skinwalker Ranch, which actually goes into a big puzzle for myself thinking about the show. Because the first season, we're really thinking this is something extraterrestrial. And then you go into season two, and it's like portal talk, Skinwalker talk, and it leads me to believe that Skinwalker Ranch is just one big Pandora's box of paranormal happening. Which, in one episode on my podcast, there's a theory that I went. I did a whole episode about this. That everything in the paranormal world is in fact conjoined. From ghosts to aliens to Bigfoots to UFOs to other cryptids. And... If you watch Skinwalker Ranch and just look at the talk about it, it happens to be that that area of Utah is, in fact, one big paranormal cluster, won't say the word, but cluster F, if you know what I mean. Um, The interesting thing of season two, and and I don't want to give too many spoilers, is um, the lead investigator, Travis S. Taylor, comes up with a diagram of throughout time and recorded data of meteor impact on the Earth. In one of the impact sites to, um, from, from an asteroid happens to be in the exact area of Skinwalker Ranch. So is it possible that asteroids, meteorites from outer space can hit the Earth and bring paranormal-esque activity to a certain area and if you watch the show he has a diagram um there's a lot of things about that ranch but between the um on and off radiation electromagnetic fields going off spotted lights in the sky and uh, cryptid like creatures all could possibly spawn from an adequate theory from travis taylor that it could be caused from asteroids um the show is definitely a must-watch if you are into paranormal research, um, investigate investigative experiments, and just watching the show and seeing people trying to figure out why something is going on. Now, you take the ghost aspect out of the show because that's really just not 
on this, even though there's ghost talk. But if you're watching this show, you're in for UFO talk, portal talk, cryptid talk, more in season two with the cryptids. But it is a show filled with scientific research to find out what is going on on this ranch. And judging by the people, the amount of people that owned it, especially the um, Sherman family, which obviously did not stay there long, 94 to 96, taken over by Robert Bigelow and then taken over by um, Ren Fugel, it goes to show you that something, in fact, is going on there that is unclear and cannot be proven yet because this team seems to be on onto something in the research of, of Skinwalker Ranch. Whenever the government gets involved, because the federal government, from my understanding, did get involved with Robert Bigelow at the time that he owned the ranch, that raises an eyebrow. It kind of shocked me and should have shocked other people more when the Pentagon and the news started releasing UFO video during the time of 2020. And it really didn't take a lot of people by surprise as I thought it would. Not even my up and down friend, believer, uh, non-believer, believer one day of UFOs, friend Charlie. Um, I actually asked me today, came back from a haircut, like, any UFO news? I'm like, no, not really, but just what was out there. Um, honestly, re- recently I read a report that one of the TikToks, uh, TikTok videos, um, or one of the sightings from military that saw a UFO um, or UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon, one of these ships that were spotted or unidentified flying objects broke the sound barrier without a sonic boom, which is 100% unheard of. That's actually one of the most recent things that I told my friend Charlie. But as far as when the government gets involved and starts releasing this type of stuff, you should actually be excited or raise an eyebrow. Why did the federal government get involved and help someone you know, another millionaire, um, Bigelow, why did they get involved? Because obviously at some point the government is in fact interested in this particular area. Um, In season one, there is thoughts in Skinwalker Ranch that they are being spied on, Um, but I wanted to get into depth about it. I kind of want my listeners that are listening in on my thoughts of the show to watch season one and season two. I believe there's one to eight episodes per season. Um, Season two took quite some time to actually come back out. Season one was recorded during 2019. Obviously, 2020, the pandemic hit. Um, You do see them um, during season two fist bumping a lot with people that are asked to come onto the ranch. So in in theory, this was probably filmed um, post-height of the COVID pandemic give or take, end of 2020 um, or summer of 2020 or at some point in 2021. Um, but all in all, season one, season two is something you guys should give a watch to. And um, this was recorded from 2019 to uh, around the end of 2021. Season one, season two, one to eight episodes. If you are into the parano- uh, paranormal category, you know, extraterrestrial UFOs, portals, wormholes, and want to see people actually go in depth with doing these um, scientific, you know, experiments to try to figure out what's going on, and you're into, you know, extraterrestrials, this is the show for you. Skinwalker Ranch is highly entertaining. Um, 
it goes to show you that there are things in the United States that are just completely unanswered. And this particular region of Utah, the Northeast region, is a very questionable area. What is going on there? And Brandon Fugel assembled a team to try to figure out what's going on. And it, you know, it is televised. I don't know how much is not televised. I'm pretty sure things do happen that they're like, all right, we can't air this because we don't want people to, you know, question what's going on. But um, this, a lot of stuff on there is pretty entertaining to watch and find out what's going on. Very similar to um, the Oak Island show where they're trying to uncover what is there, which is something I haven't covered yet. Basically a suspected area where treasure or even possibly the Ark of the Covenant is buried um, on an island in Scandinavia. Uh, my dad is a big watcher of that show and uh, two brothers run the expedition there. Um, from what I gather, they find remnants of gold and things that shouldn't be there. So um, believable that something is there that I, you know it shouldn't be there based on the money pit, which is this elaborate trap and system of shelves that were put there somehow, some way. But that's for another podcast episode, another talk. But it's similar to Oak Island. Um, but Oak Island is kind of history and Indiana Jones-esque adventure. And this Skinwalker Ranch show is more in the um, paranormal field. And if you want to watch something in regards to Skinwalker's portals and wormholes and things like I mentioned, Skinwalker Ranch Season 1 and Season 2 is definitely for you. So if you are interested in seeing that show, go on to Discovery+. Plus. Um, I'm actually not sure what network it is on, but if you own Discovery Plus for the reasonable price, I believe it's $8 a month, it's definitely something that's on there and you should definitely purchase. So much stuff is on there and um, definitely a show you should watch. So go on to Discovery Plus, um, type in Skinwalker Ranch, not to be confused with The Hunt for the Skinwalker, which is a separate show which wasn't as enjoyable to watch, and um, definitely start watching. It is 100% a great show, giving them the, uh, you know, unintentional plug, but Skinwalker Ranch is a must-see. So that concludes this episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. I like to thank always the Anchor app for giving me the opportunity to get my paranormal podcast out there. If you haven't heard about Anchor, Anchor is the free app that allows you to get your paranormal your paranormal that allows you to get your podcast idea out there. It's entirely free and gives you all the tools you need to get your show recorded and put out to outlets like Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. And if you want to check out my Instagram page, it is SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for Say What Again Billy Podcast on Instagram. Again, my Instagram is SWAB underscore podcast, and that can be found on Instagram. And I can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Breaker, and many other outlets, thanks to the Anchor app. Rest in peace to Ivan Reitman. That news really hit home. Rest in peace, Harold Ramis. I'm sure you guys are driving the Ecto-1 up there in heaven. And everybody, until next time, this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.